Let's go ahead and pray. Let's go to the Lord here before we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful that we can come together, we can worship, we can seek you together in this place, and and uh, really, in one sense, it doesn't matter where we are, as long as we're with your people uh, on the Lord's day, worshiping. And so we're we're coming together to do that. And uh, Lord, we do uh, just pray for this uh, election coming up. Lord, we do pray that this particular issue would be voted down. And uh, Lord, we just pray that righteousness would be exalted in our state, in our nation. And um, Lord, we just uh, we pray for protection there for the unborn. And uh, Lord, we, we do want to pray too, just for our own congregation. We pray for our family and friends who might be sick uh, with disease and who just need your healing touch. Lord, we pray for them that you would be a very present help for them in trouble and that uh, you would, Lord, we ask you to heal them in Jesus' name, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, also we just pray for us here today, uh, whether we're here in person or watching online, pray that your spirit would be um, just working in our hearts and drawing us closer to yourself, that we might be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in our character and how we live our lives. And we know we can only do it by your power, but Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be more like Jesus. And so, Lord, we lift up these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have been going through the book of Luke. Uh, We've kind of taken some breaks along the way. We just kind of got back into it. And um, so we, uh, this week, we're we're hitting on uh, Luke 10, 25 to 37. This is probably one of the most well-known stories that Jesus told, the Good Samaritan story, right? Even Even if somebody doesn't know the specifics of the story, they know what a good Samaritan is, right? Uh, some some uh, places have passed a good Samaritan law, you know, and, and, and so on. Or if you read uh, a news item and so somebody helped somebody out, and they're often called, what, a good Samaritan, right? And so this is where we find ourselves here uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Um, now, if you're new to our church, um, periodically, what we do is when we read the passage together, we stand in honor of the Word of God. So if you would, if you're able to, would you stand as I read the Word of God out loud here together? So this is um, Luke 10, 25 to 37. I'll read it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took him out, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Now, I suppose somebody could read this passage and say, well, I could preach this, Pastor. Be nice to people. You can go home. But there's more than what you see here. There, yes, there is that for sure, but, but there's a lot more going on on this interaction with Jesus and the lawyer. I mean, that even just sounds like a bad joke starting. There was a lawyer and Jesus, you know? Uh, nothing against lawyers. There's some good ones out there. Uh, so uh, the, now what I want you to see is there is a pattern going on in this dialogue between Jesus and the lawyer, okay? The lawyer uh, has a question for Jesus. Jesus has a question for him. And then the lawyer answers Jesus' question, and then Jesus gives a command. This is just clearly a pattern. It happens twice. And so we're just, that's kind of the outline I'm using. We're just going to kind of go through that and talk about it. And then in the end, we're just going to really just talk about, especially, you know, what does it mean to be a good kingdom neighbor? Uh, kingdom with a capital K. You know, we're kingdom people in terms of Jesus as our king, and we want to follow him and live life according to how he calls us to live it. So let's take a look at the first question and answer, round one, okay, and see what happens. And the lawyer's question in verse 25 um, is what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question, isn't it? I mean, if you're really thinking long-term, you're like, where am I going to spend eternity? I think everybody, um, especially when they're faced with their own mortality, starts thinking about these things. And, um, or sometimes it's not, not even when they're faced with their own mortality. It's just when you're reading the Scriptures or you're confronted with this issue biblically. It's like, how do I get eternal life? How can I live forever? And uh, so this is his question. And it would not have been a, an uncommon question to, to debate either amongst uh, this, this man. And when it speaks of a lawyer, you've got to think about uh, in this context of being uh, to the Jews, he's going to be an expert in Old Testament law, right? This is what he's going to be. That kind of law is what he's going to be an expert in. So. Uh, Jesus uh, basically asks him a question back, which is oftentimes what Jesus does. He answers a question with a question, not to dodge him, but because uh, Jesus, as I say, he can read people's mail. He knows what's going on in their hearts, right? And he's always a step or two ahead of them, at least, okay? And where they're going with their questions. Okay, and so, and, and did you pick up on the fact that in verse 25, it says uh, a lawyer stood up um, to put him to the test, right? So he's, this guy already we know doesn't have good motives. He's trying to trick Jesus, and this would happen all the time. Question, you know, they're, 
you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these people were trying to come up with, you know, tricky theological questions, trying to get him to trip himself up so they could, you know, say this guy's, you know, some kind of a false teacher or, or whatever. And so Jesus just comes right back to him and says, well, how do you read the law on this topic? It's like, hey, you're supposed to be an expert in the law. You tell me, what does it say? What does it say? And so um, the lawyer's answer is, uh, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and certainly this response would be a common one. Okay, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's basically a combination of Deuteronomy chapter 6, some of the instructions there, and Leviticus 19 put together. Okay, and this is uh, also, if you recall, uh, in one of the other gospels in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus gives this as a response to another question. And so let me uh, just, I don't have it up on the screen, but let me just read these few verses for you. Matthew 22, 34 to 40 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Here we go again, trying to trap Jesus. Verse 36 of Matthew 22, Teacher, what is the great, great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And and Jesus says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And as we have said many times here, it's like those two things, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, kind of summarize or kind of the cliff notes on the essence and the heart of the Old Testament law, right? And so uh, this is the response that the lawyer has for Jesus, a similar one that Jesus gave in Matthew 22. And so uh, this is not coming out of nowhere. It's coming from a learned man of the Old Testament law. And so what does Jesus say? What is his command that he comes back with after the lawyer answers this? Well. The actual verse 28 there, back in Luke 10, he says, you have answered correctly. I can imagine right now, he's like, ding, 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 I'm a good boy, you know? I'm a good guy, right? You have answered correctly. And then he says, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Now, this is an interesting response, okay? Um, And so my take on this is that, again, Jesus is a step ahead of this man. He knows what's going on in his heart. And so he he knows this man overestimates his ability to keep the law. And so what he says is, okay, if you can love God perfectly and you can love your neighbor perfectly, you're in. Okay, and so, um, which just, you know, I think Jesus is getting at the heart of this, this man is a self-righteous man. He really has a very high view of himself, and he's not really thinking about how sinful he really is, 
right? And we'll, I'll get to uh, the next part here in just a minute, but I, I want to hit the pause button and take a look at Luke chapter 18 with you for a second because there's actually another parable here in Luke that really fits perfectly uh, on this point of this guy's response uh, of what Jesus says. Okay, you go and you just do that. So Luke chapter 18 and starting at verse 9 says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So here we have the inside story. Jesus is going to tell another story because he says these people were self-righteous and treated others poorly, right, with contempt. So here's the story, verse 10, Luke 18. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, right? So you need to know, right, the Pharisee's the religious guy, right, uh, has a lot of head knowledge, certainly. And the tax collector... Um, well, probably some other tax collectors here, not looked upon very favorably, right? But then, even then, though here, in this particular context in the Bible, the tax collectors were seen as the traitors because they're kind of working on behalf of the Romans, right, who are ruling, and they're collecting taxes that will be going to the Romans. And then also, these tax collectors were known for charging you more and keeping the extra and lining their own pockets. So you got to keep that picture in mind, right? The Pharisee and the tax collector, right, in the temple, right? And, and it says, went into the temple to pray. And uh, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed. So here's the Pharisee. Here's his prayer. God, thank you that I'm not like the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector right here. I mean, it just doesn't get any more bold face. Like, you know, you, you, you know, you're just the scum of the earth. Thank you that I'm not like the scum of the earth guy right here. I mean, he just, that's his prayer. Thank you that I'm not like that. Then, uh, and then he goes on, he says, verse 12, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes for all that I get. It's like he's just piling up all the things he does for God and how he views himself. He has these these lenses which obviously need corrected, right? He's not seeing himself the way God is seeing him, and, and frankly, just in reality. So then, verse 13 the tax collector, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's not piling up all the things that he's done for God. He's not comparing himself with Joe Schmo and how he measures up spiritually. No, he's just saying, he's just being honest. God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, he says. Be merciful to me. He's like, I've got nothing to bring to the table here. Anything I do have is nothing in comparison to your holiness. And so he just casts himself on the mercy of God. He's like, if I'm ever going to make it here, if I ever have a chance at heaven and being right with you, it's going to be on your mercy 
not on any merit I could bring to the table. And so then it says, verse 14, I tell you, this man, right, this man meaning the, the, uh, the tax collector who was just humble, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so, do you see there? You see what's going on? So we, we see this, this, this Pharisee was kind of trying to justify himself before a holy God. Seeing that, you know, he just didn't really see himself as a sinner at all. That he had any sin, really. And so, um, when we come back to the, um, the passage here, right, and he said, Jesus, you know, when he says, do this and live, I think Jesus, what he's doing is saying, listen, again, you, okay, you do this perfectly and you'll get in. But this guy knew in here somewhere that he could not do it perfectly. How do we know that? Well, because of the next question. <laughs> the next question in round two. Here's the lawyer's question. Because, you know, you know, Jesus was like, you know, love, you know, because remember the, the two commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm guessing somehow in his mind, he thought he was good with that one. He, he must have done that pretty well. A lover of God. And he must have done it in his mind perfectly. But he was a little shaky, if he was honest, about treating his neighbor as he would want to be treated, loving your neighbor as you would yourself. So what is he going to do? He's going to ask a question, and he asks a question, Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? In other words, um, who do I need to love that way? Let's narrow the field. Give me some names. Right? I mean, this is what, isn't this what happens though? <laughs> uh, this is because it says in verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself. That's how I know he was thinking this. He was like, okay, I think I got the love for God down, but this, 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 uh, you know, loving my neighbor as myself, I think I'm a little off on that. So let's, let's just narrow the field down and I'll feel a lot better about myself, and I think I can justify myself, and I'll be in. That's, I think, the mentality based on his desire to justify himself. Well, what do we do? Whenever we want to justify ourselves and, and come off as kind of self-righteous, you know what we do? We either overestimate our ability to be good, or we bring the standard down, or both. And I think that's what he's doing. He's like, I want to bring the standard down so that I can get over that hurdle. Okay? And so he is, he's asking this question, who is my neighbor? And you're going to see Jesus does not even answer the question. He does not answer, who is my neighbor? As we go on, I mean, I you know challenge you, find it. I, he doesn't even say, this person is your neighbor. 
And so, okay, so the lawyers asked his second question, right? Here we are on round two of the question and answer. And so we'll get to Jesus' question in a minute, but Jesus is actually going to use this story of the Good Samaritan, and he ends it with a question, right? He ends it with a question. Now, um, and so as, as you recall here in that passage, uh, when it gets to the, the story, he starts off and he says, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Right? And then there's three individuals that come along. Right? There's the, there's the priest, and then there's the Levite, and then there's the Samaritan. And, and uh, if you don't know this, like if you, were, if you were a Jewish person hearing the story told and you heard like the priest and the Levite, you're probably thinking, and the common Israelite person, Joe or Susie Saint, right? Average churchgoers, right? But no, he says the Samaritan. Now, we talked about this last week, or a couple weeks ago, I should say. And if you're not familiar, so the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were considered to be sellouts. There was history where they kind of sold out, spiritually speaking, and also intermarried with some other folks who were were totally pagan. And so you've got this animosity, okay? You've got this animosity here. And, And so... It's a shocking component of the story is that the priest and the Levite and then the Samaritan, right? And so the priest passes by, doesn't help him, and then the Levite passes by and doesn't help him, right? And they might have their religious reasons, okay? You might sound that, that strange, but they might have in their mind justified that. But the, the one whom they hated... It's like, you know, you talk about helping your enemy. This is like to the nth degree. The Samaritan is the one who actually has mercy and has compassion on uh, a person who would have hated him. But he's not thinking that. He's not thinking in categories. He's not thinking about, you know, oh, what a sinner this person is, and what a traitor they, you know, or whatever, or how they've treated me. You know, the Samaritan's not thinking how they treated him. He's not thinking about any of that. He's like, this person's half dead. They need help. And I'm here. I mean, usually these robbers would be out, you know, kind of in the, in the you, know, some, you know, off the beaten path or, or you know, kind of in, lying in wait. Um, and so it's just him. And so he just... You know, he, he, he treats his wounds. He throws them on his animal. He takes them to the inn. He pays the bill. In fact, he says, put the rest on my tab. I don't know how long it's going to take. And he just um, takes care of them. It's, it's just an amazing story that Jesus is telling. And so after, at the end of the story then comes Jesus' question, Right? Which person in the story proved to be a neighbor? 
He didn't say which one is your neighbor, did he? Which one proved to be a neighbor? Which one was a good neighbor? The lawyer answers. First part of verse 37. The one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And, And certainly, that was true. And so Jesus says, okay, you go and do likewise. You go and be like that good Samaritan. And so you just come away with the fact that Jesus, you know, is, is now not answering the question, right, of who is my neighbor. He's just saying, you know, that person that you come along, that's your neighbor, <laughs> right? He's just saying, but you don't worry about who is the neighbor. You be a good neighbor. I mean, this kind of reminds me of, of the same mentality of, you know, some people say, you know, well, boy, I wish I had friends, you know, I just don't have any friends. And um, sometimes it's because, you know, you just need to be a good friend. And you'll have some friends. Just be one. And so he's like, you know, don't worry about who, who you should be neighborly to or be a good neighbor to or help. Um, right? Who, who's there? <laughs> who's there? Who are you coming across that needs help? He says, go and do likewise. Now, this is, this is a challenging word from the Lord, isn't it? Because um, if you think about this, and some of us are different than others in how we think about this, but some people are like, okay, Jesus is telling me to help people that are in need. So what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, every time I see somebody doing a fundraiser on Facebook, I need to give money? Does that mean that, you know, I should go and in search of people in need of help and help them? I mean, what, what does that mean? Like, is there, is there a, should I just be on 24-7 mission helping people? Now, um, I think we should have our radar up to see who we can help. Um, but I think that um, when we get to next week's uh, Bible passage, we'll see that Jesus does not expect us to be running 24-7. He wants us to make sure we're sitting at his feet, because we've got the story of Mary and Martha next week, and that we need to be listening to the Lord. We need to be sitting at his feet and, 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 and having fellowship with him. So, um, and, and, and just we just came away from, Nick preached on that passage, right, of the sending out of those, those guys on mission, right? And they healed people, and they proclaimed the gospel, and so on, and and then uh, here we are with this, um, this individual here, who, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. But, but I don't think that Jesus is kind, trying to kind of give a total ethics lesson on, you know, a decision tree and how you figure out who you're going to help. Um, I think what we need to do is just simply ask the Lord to help us have good discernment. Have good discernment, right? And, uh, and so... And those could be difficult calls to make, right? Because, uh, you know, you could be walking down, uh, you know, downtown Columbus, and you could probably identify 10 needs in 10 seconds, okay? And so we, we just have to ask the Lord to help us, okay? And I know that's not like a, a, people don't like to hear that because then it's fuzzy. It's kind of this fuzzy, 
you know, well, just give me a, you know, just give me a nice little steps to follow, Pastor. I can't give them to you. Okay, I, I cannot give them to you. I just say, you know, but what I can help us with and my own self with is to make sure that our hearts are in the right place. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. He's like, not only are you self-righteous and relying on yourself <laughs> to make it, to have eternal life, but he's like, guy, your heart's not right. And he's also, whoever else was listening to the story, he's like, our, our hearts need to be in a right place to be kingdom neighbors, okay? And so what I'd like to talk about here is eliminating, and just our remaining timers, eliminating some barriers to being a good kingdom neighbor, being a good kingdom neighbor. And so I just have a few things, and it ties back to Scripture and also ties back to this story here. But the first thing is this. Listen, um, in terms of our attitude, we need to remember that each person is to be respected and loved as an image bearer of God, right? It doesn't matter um, how they voted. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're from the, quote, wrong side of the tracks, whatever it might be, okay? Uh, and no matter what they've done, even, okay? Um, that we need to make sure that that person, we, we need to see and remember Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We are his unique creation. Every person, every man, woman, and child made in the image of God. The animals are not made in the image of God. And so as an image bearer, we need to treat others, no matter, again, what their background or anything, with love and respect. And that's a good heart check, because sometimes we're, we're like the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple, you know? Thank God I'm not like that person. No, we can't think that way. We need God to, well, if, we're, if that's where we're at, we need God to humble us. Okay, we, we need God to, sh you know, to show us uh, uh, where we really are and, and that we're, in, we're just as much in need of mercy as any other person. We're in much need of his grace. So, so just make sure that you remember that person, that person that God has you come upon uh, has crossed your path and you see they have a need. And if it's the time is that the Lord is putting something on your heart, don't let who they are or what they represent influence you, okay? They're an image bearer. The second thing is uh, in our helping people, we need to be willing to give of our personal resources to help people in need. We need to be willing to give of our personal resources uh, to help those in need. Now, in the story that Jesus told, the Samaritan paid the bill. He gave of his own money. He didn't ask the church to give the money. He gave his money. He didn't wait for a program. He stepped up. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with churches having benevolence fund. We have one. We help people. But I'm just saying, we have to be willing 
to pay for things, to help people. And again, you have to just ask the Lord to lead you in those decisions. Sometimes helping is hurting. I get that. But sometimes we have moved that needle too far. We think helping anybody is hurting them. They need to, they got there, they need to get themselves out, you know? And sometimes that is the case, you know, tough love, or whatever. But I'm just saying, stop trying to qualify it and narrow it down. Stop trying to say, who is my neighbor? And so sometimes money will be involved. Sometimes time, giving of your time, that's a resource. It's something you can't get back. <laughs> you know, you got to be willing to give of your time. If you're a parent, I mean, your kids' needs come up at the most worst times ever. Yes. I knew there would be an amen. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like could, you have, could you have just a little bit of better timing on being so needy right now? But I'm just saying that sometimes the people that need help, it comes along at the most inopportune time, at the worst time. And so we, we have to, again, have that sensitivity and not let just that be the, the excuse we use. This is just not a good time. And again, we have to lean on the Lord. Ask for his direction. But the Samaritan gave of his time. He gave of his money. He would, presumably, he was on the road to somewhere. <laughs> he was going to go do something. The last thing I'll leave you with here, and again, this is just trying to set our hearts in a good place. To kind of, it kind of like just says, is our heart right? Is it sensitive? Is it, are we growing in mercy and compassion, right? And we need to be willing to show mercy. We need to be willing to show mercy. You know, think about what is mercy. Is mercy deserved? It's not deserved, right? It kind of the de- part of the definition of mercy is it's not deserved, right? Okay? In other words, you probably deserve something different rather than the help. And so we, we need to see that the Samaritan showed mercy, you know, and, and from a human standpoint, he's like, well, no, you guys, you guys treat me like dirt, like I'm less than human. Why would I help you? And so, but he doesn't. And he just shows mercy. And so we just need to ask the Lord. I really just think that so much of this comes down to having a right view of ourselves, right? If I see my heart as a sinful heart who just is every day just in need of God's mercy, then I'm not putting myself up here somewhere above people, you know, trying to compare myself on a certain level, you know, spiritually speaking or even socially. But, but we need to see, you know, they, they always, you always heard this phrase, right? The ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? It's all, we're all the same when we stand before the Lord, right? And we all need mercy. And so we should be, if, if we're really dialed into that, we really understand 
our daily need for grace and mercy from God, then we will be ones who give it. Okay? So we need to be willing to show mercy. Um, I'm going to share a quote with you from Pastor Kevin DeYoung. He says this, he says, The parable of the Good Samaritan is the narrative equivalent of Paul's command in Galatians 6.10, to do good to all people as you have opportunity. You can't do good to all people all the time, but as you have opportunity. Paul said they're going to be there. Will you have the open heart and the open eyes to see it when it's in front of you? Not every need will be presented as dramatically as this one, or as much ought as a man half dead lying alongside of the road. But wherever there is that need right in front of us, surely Jesus' story tells us we must not let someone's race or ethnicity or gender or political allegiance stop us from being the neighbor that Christ calls us to be. That's really the essence of this story. And uh, let me just end with this. We'll pray. Another uh, quote from a commentary by Darrell Bach says the, says, the issue is not who we may or may not serve, but serving where need exists. We are not to seek to limit who neighbors might be. Rather, we are to be a neighbor to those whose needs we can meet. We are to be a neighbor to those needs we can meet. May God help us do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for just the the, the powerful stories that Jesus tells and how he just exposes people's hearts. And maybe maybe the, the passages today that we've read have exposed our hearts and prejudices or or uh, maybe we're not having a right, proper view of ourselves. Lord, help us to see how much we need you, how much we need Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be the ones to help those in need. Give us discernment, Lord, but help us to, to be better about that Holy Spirit antenna raised up, in a sense, in our hearts as we're going about our days, as we go about our week this week, Lord. Help us to see uh, these divine appointments that may we may encounter of people that we can help. Help in all kinds of ways. Lord, give us wisdom and give us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.